cheerlead, not babysit. Find a buddy, be their cheerleader, but you're not responsible for their success. And in fact, you, but you are responsible for your success. So at the end of the day, if you want to do this thing, you have to want it bad enough to be uncomfortable and get through that fear. You're listening to The Azria Show. If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate investing career. Hello, Arizona family. Welcome to another episode of the Azria Show. I'm Marcus Maloney, and I have Mike Delpre with me. And on Hello. today, hey, Mike, uh-huh. on today... We have an excellent episode that we want to share with you guys. So, Mike, just a quick question, man. We have quite a few things coming up with Azria. You want to just kindly just jump in and share just a few things that we have coming up, like some of the subgroups and things like that? Yeah, definitely. As you know, if you just go to azria.org forward slash calendar, all our events are updated on a daily basis. So we got subgroups, uh, specific targeted subgroups that um, everyone could check out every week. Mainly our monthly meeting is usually on the second week of the month, but definitely check out the wealth fortification class coming up. So yeah, we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit later. I'll pull up the calendar and some more details out. All right. And the reason, the reason why I brought that up is because today we want to talk about education and accountability, you know, and how you can work with a partner or work in a group in order to hold yourself accountable so you can be more productive. And we have a very special guest today. Her name is Becca Shea. Becca has done over 60 flips, over 120 wholesale deals. She's the accountability expert, and we're going to dive in deep with her on today. And also, she's a veteran of the U.S. Navy. So, Awesome. She will be diving in with us and we're going to be talking about accountability on today. So Becca, Becca, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Marcus. It is so good to see you. It's been, it's been a hot minute since we've chatted and your smile just always makes me happy to see. So I'm glad to be here. Man, I am so excited. I'm so excited and I'm glad you get a chance to meet Mike on today. And Mike, he's an integral part of the RIA here and as RIA, if most of you guys don't know, is one of the most influential RIAs across the country. So we wanted to bring someone in to talk to our listeners today about accountability. But before we do that, Becca, kind of give us a little backstory about who you are and what you're doing and how long you've been doing it. Sure. So my background is that um, I grew up in rural Pennsylvania and uh, fourth daughter, four on number four out of four. So thankfully my sisters had broken my parents before I got there, (laughs) (laughs) but I I grew up and I wanted to be a fighter pilot. And so I went into the Navy and it was great. I got my scholarship to go to school for engineering. I got in the Navy, all of this trying to lead up to becoming a pilot. And then my eyesight disqualified me and I wasn't able to become a pilot, but I did get to go to flight school for a little bit. And so then I, I kind of pivoted and I was like, well, I have this engineering degree and maybe that's that's the path for me to go down, right? So I got out of the Navy. I served my four years, got out, became a mechanical engineer doing energy efficiency work, which was really fun. It's actually super interesting work, but I was traveling all the time I and mean, I was working kind of just 
just tons of t- hours. You know, I was getting emails, like the kind of corporate cage, right? Of like the, the okay. 10 p.m. email and the 1 a.m. email and the and the read these documents by Monday. Here's, you know, and I was pregnant with my third daughter and I thought, you know, I've always wanted to do something else and time freedom is really important to me. Um, and I actually loved my company, but it was just, there was no way to break that culture there. And so when I had my third daughter, I said, to my husband, I was like, we've talked about rehabbing a house. We're both pretty handy. That's our love language is doing house projects together. So I was like, let's just, while I'm on maternity leave, I'll buy a house and I'll give it a shot. I'll go back to work afterwards, you know, while it's on the market and let's just see. So that's what we did. And I got started through ARIA. I was living in Tampa at the time. And I remember being so terrified to take the step to go to that first RIA. Like I was like, I'm going to walk into that room and everyone's going to know I'm an imposter. And for anybody <laughs> listening who's afraid of that, they will not. And even if they know you've never been, they, that actually will make them even more welcoming. So don't let that be the reason you don't go. Absolutely. So I, I was scared to go. And so my neighbor at the time, she was like, I'll go with you. I think rehabbing sounds kind of cool. So I grabbed a buddy and we went to this RIA. And by the end of that night, I felt empowered and educated and like, this is something I could actually do. And then that began this, this journey since 2013, where I've, I've rehabbed 60 houses and I got into wholesaling. I have a portfolio of rentals. I've invested in some apartment syndications. Like it's crazy. Like if you would have told me when I was driving is where I would be eight years from then, I would have just, would not have believed you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, so it all started by you going to the RIA in Tampa. And, yeah. and I'm pretty sure that a lot of people here in Arizona have those same fears. They figure, well, if I go to the RIA, I know everybody there, they're doing massive deals. They're doing this and they're doing that. And I'm not doing anything. And I'm going to feel like an imposter. Well, Becca just showed and shared with you guys that come anyway, and you'll yeah. definitely feel empowered. Yeah. Grab a friend. If you need that to go to get there. But, you know, my biggest takeaway was that everyone in that room, they were real people who came from all different walks of life and who came together over this common desire to be a real estate investor. And I think what you find is that the motivated people, they find they gravitate to each other and then they do stuff. So if that's you, stop waiting. (laughs) You know, for me, when same scenario, I remember going to the here in, in Arizona, um, watching Alan uh, speak on stage and they're, they're talking about so much different topics and they're so well educated and you're sitting there new like when will I ever get there it's gonna take forever is this even possible and yeah and I just found that the support of people they were they're successful and they want to share that it, it real estate changed their life so they want to they know it could change for you so it's very actually a very helpful situation yeah so 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 being a newbie Becca going to that first RIA meeting, I know you left feel, feeling empowered. What did you do in order to take action, in order to start on that first deal? One of our mutual friends, Andy McFarland, he's like the king of wholesaling, right? Just the sweetest guy in the entire world. Yep, and yep. and yes, I can never get enough of his kind of pep talk of like, give yourself permission to succeed. And he's like, like, write it on a piece of paper. I give myself permission to flip a house or to buy a rental or to do a wholesale deal, Right. Um, like you're worthy of it. So I think I left the meeting with that. I gave myself permission to actually consider this was possible, but I was still terrified. I didn't, I didn't know what the next step looked like. And we're driving across this. I mean, there's this huge like five mile bridge from Tampa to Safety Harbor where I lived. 
And as we're driving back, I remember talking to my neighbor who came with me and I was like, I think I can do this. And she was like, I kind of think I can do this too. And I was like, want to do it together, make it less scary. And so that she was really my first accountability partner because we both committed there. Like I couldn't just go home and let it die. Somebody was going to come ask and say like, well, are we doing this or not? (laughs) And, And that's so important. And like you said, Becca, that's so empowering because now, you know, as far as accountability, we let ourselves down all the time. We have no one to say, well, you didn't do this. You didn't do that. Yeah, you could beat yourself up, but it's nothing like being accountable to someone else. So, guys, if you're out there and you're just getting started, you know, go to that to that meeting and find someone that has similar interests and say, hey, you know what? You're just getting started. I'm just getting started. Let's exchange numbers and see how we can empower each other. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so were you a little bit uh, nervous of 2013, right? It wasn't the best of times in the real estate market. So what was going yeah. through your mind? Will you, or did you just not know? I mean, I knew that we were just coming out of like the crash. And I saw, the, I mean, literally the development I lived in had of the, I think there was 120 houses. There were probably like 15 that were foreclosed and vacant. And and by the way, I wish I had kept my house there because it's crazy. (laughs) Anyway, so I knew, and I just kind of felt like I'm a very practical person, up market, down market, whatever. Like people, there's always ways to make money. You just have to be paying attention and constantly learning about what's happening around you. So uh, in fact, the most successful investors I know are ones who pivot you know, every year or two years, like they just, they, they pick their heads up, they look at what's happening and then they, they move. And the ones who fail are the ones who are like, but this, this marketing channel worked for me 18 months ago. And, and they just keep throwing money at it. And you're like, yep. well, it's not now like RVM and, and texting, like ringless voicemails and texting, they were the hotness like two years mm-hmm. ago. I mean, it was amazing. And now you get how many random text messages do you get from people who are like, right. act like they know you. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And that's the importance of making sure you're in tune with the market and by surrounding yourselves with the people that's actually out doing the marketing, doing the deals and things like that. And not just someone that's standing before you just trying to coach you along the way, because there's a big difference between theory and practice, you know, theory. Yes. Anybody can read a book and say, this is what you should go and do, but it's really a small percentage of people that say, okay, this is what I should do. This is what I read. Now let me go out here and do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it, it, it's funny because my husband and I joke now, like I remember that thinking about buying a second house, like a house that's not your primary residence for any reason was foreign. I mean, that's foreign to 99.9% of the population. And now I'm like, Hey, I'm going to buy that house over there. And um, the other neighbor just called me. I think I'd like to buy that one too. And yep. like, you know, now I'm just, it's just horse trading. <laughs> so, so until you got to that point, Becca, as, yeah. as a newbie, when you left that, that meeting, you said, okay, now it's time to take action. What were some of the struggles that you faced that you had to get over? We, I really wanted to go down the route of, I'm an, I'm an engineer, right? So in that analysis paralysis yep. thing where I like, I tried to think through everything that could have gone wrong. And I'm not sad about that, but like, I remember even just partnering up with, with her. Like a lot of people just be like, you want to partner on a house? Cool. Let's how much money you got, how much money you got. And I was like, we're going to put 50, 50 money into this. And we're going to draft an agreement that says like, what happens if things go wrong? We're, we'll go to arbitration. Like I went to rocket lawyer and, and drafted it. And like, because I didn't want to get into something messy. So I think that was not a form of procrastination, but it easily could have been. 
or even just like getting the bank account, forming the LLC, like those things I see in early investors a lot. They use those as excuses to not take action yep. because the next step after that came, we were like, all right, we've got all the things in place. Now we need to go see some houses. And we, we did it separately. We both did our own searches. It was just like, whoever finds the deal first, we'll buy it. And I remember putting in that first offer and I was like shaking because I thought, what if it gets accepted? Hmm. Like, yeah. like you, you, <laughs> at some point you switch from the, like, I can't do this you know, fear to the, oh, I can do this. What if I do do this? I just, yeah. I remember that moment, like That's crystal funny. clear. I can like picture like, the house. This is what I want to do and it might work and you're nervous. It might work. <laughs> it works actually. Yeah. And I've seen people sabotage themselves at that point in the process too, where they're like, they've, they've checked off all the roadblocks to, to real forward action. And then they just panic and they shut down. I think and, that happens with like everything, right? So it's like, you're so scared for that first deal. Then all of a sudden there's times when it's like, wow, I got three deals going, right? And then it's like, that was nerve wracking at that time. You keep breaking these boundaries and then you always look back and you're like, why was I even scared? You know? So it's cool. I think so, the fear is real. I mean, there's, there's yeah. good reason to be concerned, but you have to, at some point you have to say like, this fear is valid and I accept the consequences. Let's go. So, so, and even in, in this podcast, and I want to speak to the experienced investors also, this podcast is not just for newbies. This is not, this episode is not going to be just for newbies because as experienced investors, there's some things that you, you have to hold yourself accountable and have accountability groups to help push you to the next level. So I want you guys to make sure you stay tuned in because Becca is really going to share some things with us that's going to help you as professionals that's in the industry already kind of push yourselves a little bit further. So Becca, real quick, explain to us why accountability is, is so important. Sure. Well, a little bit of my journey, because I've heard once that people will not listen to a speaker unless they deem that they're valid to yep, listen to. Yep. So I started flipping in 2013. I did three houses the first year and six the next, and then 12. And then I set a goal to do 12 after that. And I started with a RIA and then I went to like a three or four day training. I think it was $3,000 maybe or something um, to get me started, to really teach me the basics. And I'm not saying the listeners have to do that, by the way, that's just my journey. And then after I had proven like proof of concept to myself that I could do this, I set this goal that I wanted to flip one a month. And I was kind of at a loss of where do I get that skill set. So my roommate from flight school, Bill Allen, who now runs Seven Figure Flipping, had joined the Seven Figure Flipping Mastermind as a non-employee member. <laughs> a member, yep. And he called me from the first meeting and he was like, because we had been talking at like two or three months previously and we had formed an accountability group. He and I, like I said, hey, my goal next year is to flip one house a month. And he was like, I want to do some more deals too. Why don't we? And I was like, why don't we just meet, hop on a call once a month, you and I, and we'll just check in with each other. And so we did that for, I think, two or three months. And the third month in, he joined this mastermind and he called me from the first meeting and he's like, this is what you need. You need to be surrounded by a peer group that will like just pour into you and lift you up and like open the doors to everything they're doing. And I did not want to do it. It was very expensive. It's $25,000 to be a part of this mastermind. And, at the, and he is a total tightwad, by the way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was like, if this guy who I know, like, and trust says it's worthwhile, who I know doesn't spend money frivolous, maybe it's worth it. And I was like, well, if I, if this helps me, if I know I'm in a place where I have mentally committed to taking the actions that I have to do to get to where I want to get to, 
then this is a no-brainer, right? One more deal is $25,000. If I just do one more deal this year, it makes sense. Yep. So I joined that group and, and it was great. It was like 20, early 2016 and um, probably a couple months in, like my, after my second meeting, my brain was so blown up that I didn't know how to process everything that I had learned at that meeting. And so I came back and I reached out to like, I'd read the book, The 12-Week Year, which talks about setting these, this, these 12-week goals, like stop thinking in an annual cycle, just focus on the next 12 weeks. And so I read that book. And I talked to some of the people in the group and I said, does somebody want to do this with me? Like it's a weekly accountability. And that was the first one that I did. And they grew from like five or six people to 30 people to 60 people to like the last session we did had almost 200 people in it. And doing these small group accountability sessions where just once a week you get together with the same six to eight people. Marcus, you did them. Yep. Yeah, a question about that, because, you know, I've seen a lot of accountability groups through the years, right? And they always seem to fizzle off. So what yeah. was it about your group that, yeah, it sounds exciting. Like, what did you do to keep it growing like that? Well, I'll tell you, we have <laughs> almost consistently a 40% attrition rate from people who sign up to people who like in week four or five realize they don't actually want someone to tell them that they're sucking or, or they go through a life circumstance or something happens or they get distracted by some other shiny object. So people think they want accountability until they get it. That's and cool. then, and then, then you see people's true colors. And I'll tell you the people who, who stick with it are the ones who, you know, their success just bl blows up. And the people who four or five weeks in are like, well, I said my number one goal was to hire a lead intake person, but I actually think my number one goal right now is to work on my budgets and scope of work. And then three, three weeks later, they're like, no, the real fire in my business is I need to raise money. Like they end up ping ponging around and never putting a bow on anything. Well, and that's, that's the importance of, you know, having accountability is because then you can have that leader to say exactly what you said, Becca. Hey, you're ping ponging all over the place. You one week it's this, the next week it's that, one week is this. And as investors and entrepreneurs, we have that shiny object object syndrome to where it's like, wow, that's a great idea. I want to do this. I want to do that. But when you have someone that speaks to you and say, hey, look, I'm seeing what you're doing. This is something that we need to curtail and you need to focus on this. That's very, very important, especially for those that are getting started. You know, it's like, okay, I want to be a wholesaler. No, I want to do apartment syndication. No, I want to raise capital. No, I want to flip houses. And they have all of these things that they want to do, but then they absolutely do nothing. Yeah. Or they do things just enough to hurt themselves and lose money. And then the second that they lose money, instead of taking those lessons that they learned and pushing through and actually leveraging that knowledge to make more money, they get scared and they go into some other route and then they don't put the right attention into that. And then they lose money there. And then they go into some other route and it's like two years later and they've just have a string of broken hearts behind them. <laughs> <laughs> so let's hear a brief word from my sponsors and we'll be right back. A supporter of today's Azria show is Azria business associate, Boomerang Capital Partners. They're coined as the best flipping lender providing financing solutions to help fund your next fix and flip project. For more information, visit boomerangcapital.com. So Becca, let's do this. What are, let's, let's go over three things that someone can do to either find that accountability partner. And once they find them, what should they do? And I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but I know that you know this because we talked about yeah. it before. 
I think number one, you need to, I, I have realized over the years that the ability to count to like commit to accountability and the discipline is a level of kind of emotional maturity. So if you're looking for an accountability partner, I would ask the questions almost like you're hiring them, right? Like when in the past have you stuck with something hard and, and succeeded, you know, you, what you're trying to get to the heart of is not someone who just wants accountability because they want a cheerleader and like a motivator, because the problem there is if you just go for the rah-rah cheerleader, like I love this and you love this and let's do it on the days where you show up and you didn't get your stuff done, they, they get upset that you're holding their feet to the fire and then they, they peace out. So you need someone, it's going to get tough in, in the, the mm-hmm. and, and studies have shown that our brains can really only focus normal people for like 90 days. Entrepreneurs, it's like four weeks, but <laughs> entrepreneurs can push themselves. If the goal is worthy enough, they can push themselves to that 90 day piece. Okay. So that's so- finding an accountability partner, interview people for people okay. who've done stuff in the past and who want to do more. So interview people. So guys, you're coming to, I mean, don't tell them you're interviewing them. <laughs> right. Right. Don't, don't let it be known that you're interviewing them, but have strategic questions. Like you said, Hey, you know what? you're a real estate investor. I'm a real estate investor. I'm just getting started. You're just getting started. You know, what is one of the goals that you want to accomplish and what are you doing right now to try and accomplish that goal? So, yeah, yeah they gotta, they gotta, you gotta catch that vibe that they want it just as bad as you. Right. Because once that other person goes, you know, let's just, let's just take a, a little break. Let's, let's, let's take, yeah. you know, do something a little different today. And you're, you know, that's easy for you to jump into, especially if you're nervous. So. Yeah, the right person is important. Yeah, yeah. so you, you got to find that person that has that ability to commit. And you, you said it very good, Becca. You said, hey, when was the last time you actually stuck with something that got tough? Because, for 90 days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like. Yeah, for 90 days. Tell me about business. your workout routine. <laughs> right? Like. Absolutely. Because as a real estate investor, mm. it gets difficult. You know, you have times where you want to punch a hole in the wall. Then you want to go and cry and then you want to go and laugh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay. And then what else, Becca? How, how can we track, you know, if we're being accountable and when we're working with that accountability partner? I know goals are key, but you got to have objectives along the way. So what are some of the things that we can do? Let's just use hypothetically, I want to flip a house in the next, next year, 2022. I'm a newbie. I'm getting started. I want to flip my first house. What's some of the objectives or accountability measures that we need to put in place? All right. This is, there's a lot to this question, but it it all starts from the place that number one, you can control your actions, but you cannot control the outcome, right? I can get in my car to drive to work, but I can't actually guarantee that I'm going to get to work. I could get hit by a car on the way there. I could get sick, you know, like Something could happen on the way, but the best way for me to guarantee that I actually get to work, the, the like most likely way for me to get to work each day is to actually get in my car and drive to it, right? Mm-hmm. So I can control the action. I can't control the outcome. But if I do the action enough, I should get the outcome. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Makes logical, logical sense. Yeah. Yes. So a lot of people get fixated on the outcome. I haven't rehabbed a house. I haven't rehabbed a house. I haven't rehabbed a house. And they get this negative talk track happening in their head when reality, they just need to to scale it back to the thing that they can control, which is like, I'm going to make three offers this week. Did I make three offers this week? That's the action you can control, the the small piece of it. And then 
the the other thing that I talked about this at Flip Hacking Live, I think two years ago, my my presentation was on accountability. And I talk about DivPaga, like that's my my framework. And it's DVPGA. And the first is like dream, then vision, then plan, then goals, then actions. And you're basically, you're starting three years out from now. And you're, I mean, start with why, like every TED talk is on this. Like if you have a compelling enough place that you're trying to get to, you can overcome insurmountable odds. But if you are just doing this because you want to make money, but you haven't tied making money to the lifestyle and the vision that you're trying to get to, if you haven't created an emotional connection to where this journey is going to take you, the minute that it gets hard and you have that crying and punching the wall moment, you're going to be like, this is not worth it. I'm done. So before you even get down to that daily action, you got to really think about why are you doing this? Like, not just in the, I want more money or whatever, but like, what is that money going to enable you to do? We had one guy in our group who just, I actually just reconnected with him. He's one of our alumni and he was crushing it in wholesale. And I reached out, I'm like, how's it going? Like, I want to highlight you in our alumni newsletter. And he's like, well, I have always wanted to do mission work. So I just, I started the Bush Mission Foundation. We're building a school in Congo. I'm going over there to do some work. Like that is enough to get you yeah. fired up to get through the day you don't want to go to the gym. Yep. Yep. Wow. Absolutely. So you said DVPGA. So give it to us one more time. Dream, vision. Plan, goal, action. So a dream is like three to five years. What do you want to do? I want to be financially free, but so that I can spend time with my family. And then if you, if you get really crystal clear, that's your vision. And that's where people have like their vision boards or, you know, they'll write it out. They'll have their, their notes of like, I am, I do, I, I, I become whatever, like, it's very detailed. Like a dream is I want to buy a house. A vision is I want a two-story, four-bedroom, two-bath, yellow house on two acres with a stream in the backyard and a stable for horses. You know, like that's a vision. Buying a house doesn't elicit that same emotional connection as that beautiful yellow two-story house does. So so you guys, you guys got to have that goal and you got to break it down, like Becca said. So if you want to flip a house next year, in 2020, 2022, what do I need to start doing right now in 2021 to start prepping for that? Is it, do I need to start networking with people, you know, in the RIA or in the community? Do I need to start raising capital? Do I need to start reading books and getting educated? You know, that's some of the things that you need to start on first. Yeah, let's take that. So that would be your plan. The plan is the one year, right? Like I have this dream of financial freedom, and I can tell you my vision of what I'm going to do with that financial freedom. But then the plan is like, okay, let's put a stake in the ground 12 months from now. What do I got to do to get from here to there? I'm going to flip a house. In one year, I will have flipped a house. And then you break it down. You're like, well, I have to learn how to do it. I have to build my stable of contractors. I have to actually get the house. So I have to evaluate things, right? And then I got to sell the house. You could just start with that. Like, There's a lot of things. There's like They call it the big domino. What's the one thing that you do that will force you to do everything else? Get that house under contract. I'll tell you, you will find contractors. You will. (laughs) Like, that's the thing that lights a fire. So if your goal is to flip a house in one year, I'd say you need to start, you need to get a contract. And in order to get a contract, you got to make offers. And that's the same for wholesalers, by the way, too. Make offers. Is there anything from um, the military that you learned that helped you with your accountability in the future? That you'd share or I, 
I think that like from the military, I th- can't tell, like the military people do really well with accountability. Yeah. I don't know if it's a chicken or an egg thing. Like we're the type of people that are drawn to the military. So we do all with it. Yeah. Or if the military taught us something, but you know, that phrase, how do you eat an elephant? Mm-hmm. One yep. bite at a time. To me, that is the fundamental of accountability is like, if I spent all day thinking about where I want to be in five years, I would short circuit. But if I think about where I want to be in 90 days, I can get there. And the military does a good job of that, of of that project management, looking at like, hey, we have this exercise that we're doing nine months from now. In order to do that, you need to get these qualifications. You need to get all this health stuff done. You know, like they'll give you your wickets. Awesome. So, and one of the things that you, you said, Becca, and I know Mike said all the time, is that if you want to flip a house, if you want to be a wholesaler or whatever, you got to put in offers. And you got to get over that fear of putting in offers, right, Mike? Yes, totally. Yeah, that's the highest income generating activity you could have in your business for sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, Becca, kind of wrapping up here, we're going to take a brief break. And then when we come back, we want to talk about some things about team management and how you can find your team members. So let's take a brief break. We'll be right back with Becca Shea. Here's a quick update on Asperia's upcoming events. On September 28th, we're having our Phoenix Real Estate Club networking meeting. On September 29th, we're having our Fix and Flip subgroup. October 5th is our Prescott subgroup meeting, and October 7th is our Income Property Owners subgroup meeting. For more information and to register, visit asria.org calendar. This episode of The Azria Show is brought to you by Azria Business Associate, Zona Law Group. Zona Law Group handles numerous real estate matters with a focus on landlord-tenant law in Arizona. For more information, visit their site at zona.law. Okay, we are back with Becca Shea based out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Yes, she is talking about accountability and Like we said, she's flipped over 60 houses, done over 120 wholesale deals, and she implemented some of these things that we're talking about in her business um, in order for her to reach that level of success. So, Becca, answer this for me. You know, you worked with the team, built a team. What are some of the things that you look for in a team member to make sure that they can be successful and in turn help your business be successful? I love this. So this year at Flip Back and Live, I'm speaking on hiring and I kind of tested it out on our group yesterday. I did a two hour call on hiring and managing a team. So this is very fresh in my head. The first thing about a team member is if they're screwing up, it's definitely your fault. You drop the ball somewhere. And so, and the first time you do it, you are going to drop the ball somewhere. Like there's just no way nobody comes out of the womb knowing every skill they need to know. And you got to take that first step. But the very first thing when you're hiring, hiring a person for your team, or even if you're just a contractor while doing your rehab is you have to know what you expect from them, like set clear roles and responsibilities. And I was saying to the group yesterday that I, we use this tool in hiring and it's a personality survey thing that is super accurate. And it tells you what people's preferences are. Are they problem solvers or do they just prefer to to follow a process and execute? Are they executors? Do they like people or don't they like people? It's like the disc test too. Do they move fast? Do they move slow? Do they have detailed preference? Do they not have detailed preference? And when I first did it, I had an assistant and she and I were, were butting heads a little bit. 
And I, my hiring coach held up our two profiles and he said, you will never communicate enough information to her. You just don't have the detail capacity that she has. So you're going to say to her one morning, we're going to California tomorrow for two days, a two day conference on real estate investing. And we're going to learn about rehabbing houses, pack your bags. I'll pick you up in the morning. She's going to think, why are we going there? How long do I need to be there? What's the temperature? What do I need to pack? What time are we leaving? What time are we getting back? What hotel are we staying in? Where, what are we going to eat for dinner? Is dinner even included? Like, and I wouldn't even think to give all that detail because I'm like, dude, we'll figure it out. Right. But her, yeah, but her role in my life is to manage the details. And I didn't give her any of the information she needed to manage the details. And so that's, if you're listening to this, you're probably an entrepreneur. You're probably like me where you're like, I gave you 40% of the information. Just fill in the rest. Fill in the blanks. <laughs> but you right. need to throttle yourself. And so that has been a huge learning lesson for me is to actually take a breath, spend an hour to write down all the thoughts that are in my head and to really like, again, paint that vision, right? Rehabbing is perfect. The scope of work. I want you to renovate this bathroom, right? I want a new tub. I want you to tile the walls. Um, a single bowl vanity, white. We're going to do all white fixtures. We'll do chrome or, yeah, you know, or we'll do chrome for our faucets um, and tile the floor. Okay. I did not give enough information to get that completed the way that I have it in my head, which is like, I want white subway tile, the, the small ones on the wall, the four inch ones. I also want a strip and I want that strip three feet above Rock. the tub. And I want not a shower curtain, I want a door on that. And I want the four inch faucet, not the six inch faucet. Like you have to, number one, keep the vision in your head of what you want your team member to accomplish. And then you have to communicate it. And this is my number one tip. Do it via video. Mm -hmm. Because I know a lot of rehabbers hate like the idea of like sitting down and typing everything out. They just want to be finding the next deal and envisioning how glorious it's going to look. So if you do a video and you walk, just walk through the house for your contractor and say, I'm in the bathroom. Here's what I want it to look like. And Or maybe you just Google some pictures and you're like, here's a picture of what I want the bathroom to look like, right? Mm, that's That'll good. save you some pain. Yeah, and that will <laughs> eliminate those mistakes because you can say, hey, look, we went over this and it's not just words, but it's actual visualization so they can see it. Yeah. And for referencing later, I suggest make a video for every room in the house, put it in a Google Drive folder, label it like kitchen plans. That way, whenever your contractor hits a wall and they're like, I can't remember, did they say the, the four inch or the six inch faucet? They can go back and watch it and they don't have to sort through two hours of your brain dump. Gotcha. 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 Okay. Well, I hope you guys really took something away from this conversation with Becca, especially even you seasoned investors, like she said, when working with your contractors, you got to know how to communicate things with them and you newbies, you know, how to just get started. What are some of the things that you can do to start chomping on that elephant just one bite at a time? Because yeah. you don't want to you don't want to try and do too much and then you become discouraged and don't do anything. So, Mike, Becca, in parting, Mike, why don't you ask Becca and I'm going to put you on the spot. Ask <laughs> Becca. <laughs> ask Becca what are some of the things that give us some words give us some words of encouragement well first off people. 
Go ahead, Mike. has me now rethinking a lot of the direction I just gave today. <laughs> so <laughs> I want to go back and like, re- I'm thinking about the emails I wrote. So now I'm kind of stumped right now. So uh, I should be better at it. But yeah, put me on the spot, man. What do you want me to ask? No, I was just going to ask you, you know, what are, what are some words of encouragement that you can give, you know, those people that are, that are struggling? So Becca, give us some words of encouragement for those investors that are either having that rough patch or just getting started and just don't know what to do. We have a program that's just for getting people to like zero to one deal, right? And I was just reflecting on the past 12 months of this program about what the main issues were. We hired these laser coaches who are experienced investors to be have on-demand calls with them. And I got back together with the coaches and I was like, what were the, the top issues you saw with, with people in these laser coaching calls? And they were like, 100% across the board, it is mindset. It is every time they come to me and they're like, I have a marketing question or I have a scope of work question. It actually underneath of it all boiled down to mindset and believing that they could do it. And almost like it, it was that I, that panic thing, right? like sabotaging themselves in they would say, I don't know what marketing piece to send out. But the real issue was they were afraid and they didn't know what the next step was. And they didn't necessarily believe in their ability to do it. So my words of encouragement for you are, if that's you, you're not alone. Like you can do this and come go to the RIA and find a peer, find a buddy who can be your person. I know that's hard. Like, what are you going to do? Walk up to someone and be like, "Ah, whatever, you know, but maybe you guys can facilitate in some way, right? Just like introduce yourself to the person next to you. Right. Yeah, no, it happens all the time here, um, especially like I said, you brought a friend like, like you suggested in the beginning. But I, I see in the events, like when you see two new people meet each other, they kind of gravitate to each other. Then they'll go to the next event together. Yeah. So that happens all the time as well. So it's a good point. Yeah. So that- and then just cheer. I say cheerlead, not babysit. You find a buddy, be their cheerleader, but you're not responsible for their success. And in fact, you, but you are responsible for your success. So at the end of the day, if you want to do this thing, you have to want it bad enough to be uncomfortable and get through that fear. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. So wrapping up, Becca, tell us how can we find you? How can we get in touch with you? If we want to know, get more information about accountability or your business and flipping and wholesaling, how can we find you? How can we get in contact with you? I am the membership director now at Seven Figure Flipping. That's how we know each other. So you can email me, Becca at Seven Figure Flipping, B-E-K-A at seven, the number, figure flipping, F-I-G-U-R-E, F-L-I-P-P-I-N-G.com. I will tell you that I am very bad at responding to emails except once a week. <laughs> I have one no meeting day and I make it a point to get through all my emails. So if I don't respond right away, know that it's there. I am very good at getting through my emails eventually. <laughs> perfect, 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 perfect. Well, Becca, I really appreciate you being here on the show. Real quick, I know you guys have something coming up in October. Please share real quick as we're closing up here. Yeah, we have our three-day event, Flip Hacking Live, F-L-I-P-H-A-C-K-I-N-G, Flip Hacking. I don't know, every time I talk into my phone, it says some other thing. Um, so I must say it weird and It's down in Orlando, Florida. So if you're in that area, come on by, grab a ticket and spend some time with us. It's kind of this mix of practical tips and knowledge, even for experienced investors, like 
one of our speakers is going to be talking to Andy McFarland's going to be talking about how he's built a multi, like, I think he does like four or $5 million a year. I hope I'm allowed to say that. And he's done that consistently year over year and up market, down market. Like he's got a team that runs it and he just wow. like, he spends maybe four hours a week in his business. So for the experienced people, he's going to be talking about that. Like, how do you build a business that lasts? And then for the newer investors, we're going to be talking like marketing tactics and stuff. But then at the end, we talk about mindset because it's become abundantly clear that like people just need to give themselves permission to succeed and, and have the confidence that they can do it. Okay. Awesome. Well, Becca, thank you so much thank again you. for your time. Mike, thank you. So Mike, you want to roll us on out, man, wrap up the show. Sure. Let's, you know, thanks again, Becca, for being here. Marcus, for always hosting and kicking it off. Like I said, thanks for joining the Azria show. Head over to the azria.org forward slash calendar to see the events we have coming up. And that's it for today. Go to the Aria. You won't regret it. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Azria show with your hosts, Marcus Maloney and Mike Delpreet. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found this information valuable, Head over to azria.org and learn more about our community.